This is Shelby Hansen, and you're listening to episode 33, Faith in Healing. Welcome to the Creating Your Beautiful Life podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Hansen. I'm an invisible illness warrior, kidney transplant recipient, mom to four, and life coach for people who have gone through incredible health challenges. On this podcast, I teach you how to move forward from difficulty and disappointment into joy and abundance as you take charge of creating your own beautiful life. All right. This morning we have Mary McCorby, and she is an amazing woman that I met on Facebook. We actually have never met in person, but I feel Mm -hmm. like we're good friends after having a couple interactions online. So um, Mary, welcome to the podcast, Creating Your Beautiful Life. We're also going to put this on the YouTube channel for those that want to watch and see our interaction. So can you tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, maybe a brief version of your um, experience with kidney transplant, your kidney transplant story? Sure, absolutely. First of all, let me say that I am so excited to be here. And I'm just, this is just an amazing experience to be able to talk about this. Uh, I grew up in Mississippi, so I am, I like to say, a Southern girl. And um, when I was, you know, growing up, that was when I initially found out that I had diabetes, which was at the age of 13. And so, you know, during that time, that was... um, um, let's see, it was a very interesting journey because being a preteen at that age and, you know, having a solid foundation with my family and I am the youngest girl of six siblings. So I have a younger brother and we were the only two siblings at the house at that time. But, you know, my older brothers and sisters, they were grown and gone at that point. But, you know, um, growing up in Mississippi at that time, there were very limited, there were a lot of limitations in terms of you know, um, healthy living, you had to do a lot of researching. And keep in mind, guys, this was back in the 80s. So I'm telling my age, right? This was back in the 80s. And we weren't as sophisticated as we are now with having a lot of different food choices. It wasn't like you could just go on the internet and search, you know, diabetes, uh, food plants and different things like that. And so my mom and my dad were very traditional in terms of making sure that we had breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, you know, we weren't the family that had my mom, let me say it like this. My mom wasn't a one, the one to have cakes and cookies around the house. But at the same time, you know, growing up and knowing what I know now, it's not just about the cakes and cookies Mm -hmm. to have a healthy lifestyle. It's all of the things, you know, fried foods and, you know, heavy starches and not exercising. So all of those things were things that over the years kind of shaped my adult life. And I'm going to be very honest with you. There were times when the diabetes was not my friend. And I had a a doctor who said that when I was very young, she said that diabetes would treat you the way that you treat it. And it made a lot of sense. You know, when I was on top of it, even going into college, you know, you have to adjust to different ways of eating and all of that. And so um, when I was on top of the diabetes, there were no issues. But then when I wasn't, you know, when I got caught slipping or snacking a little bit too much, it did make a difference. And so I lived with diabetes for mm, 31 years. That's a long time to have to check your blood sugars and, you know, do a lot of things or restrict restrict yourself from having 
all fun with eating. You know, it was a different way of living. And then being a young person, you know, I, I say that it might have been a catch because I was young enough to be able to change, uh, frame my brain. But I was also young enough to have those thoughts of, well, I want to eat cheesecake. I want to eat all of this. Like, why, 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 God, everybody else is eating and doing all the things that they want to do. And I want to do those things too. So sometimes you would get caught in those internal battles of, okay, well, but I also want to live. I'm too young and I want to live. So growing up, you know, type one diabetes was the thing that I battled with the most. However, when I moved to Texas, and I'm, I should have said I'm an educator. So I was a public school teacher for, mm, well, I say this is my COVID year. So I'm just finishing my 24th year in education. I've been a teacher. I've been a department chair. Now I'm an instructional specialist. So I like to say I teach the teachers, right? And so even in, an, even in that aspect, stress plays a lot with health, right? Not just with diabetes, but just with health in and of itself. So at some point, I also found out that I had kidney, chronic kidney disease. And at this point, I was in my mid-30s. And, you know, no one in my family had had issues with diabetes or chronic kidney disease for the most part. And so um, that was a different challenge. That was, to me, I think learning that I had chronic kidney disease was probably a little bit scarier than diabetes at that point. Because all I knew about chronic kidney disease was, dialysis. And I was thinking, I don't want to do dialysis. I like, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, and then when I found out that I had chronic kidney disease and got with the right doctor and the right medical team, I was already in stage four and it was like, okay, well, what do I do now? I have chronic kidney disease. I have diabetes. The blood pressure issue was there. Mm -hmm. You know, you always have to check your eyes and your heart. And then at some point, I found out that I had uh, MGUS, which leads to, and MGUS is monoclonal, uh, and I'm probably going to butcher the name, but it's monoclonal gamopathy unspecified. And monoclonal gamopathy uh, is a protein that can trigger leukemia, multiple myeloma, or something else, right? The, or, or it can stay stable, which is the MGUS. I didn't even know this, but that came about because during the the whole transplant journey or the pre-transplant journey, of course, we had to do oncologist reports and hematology and all of that. And so I hadn't even heard of MGUS. I didn't know what that was until my uh, nephrologist was like, your blood report looks like that of an 80-year-old person. There's a lot of toxic, toxic things in here. And I'm thinking, what? So that was another trigger. And I'm like, okay, like I'm not even 40 yet. God, what is going on right now? <laughs> it's so funny because when I when I was 31, when I got the, my first diagnosis and like my first blood back that, that told me that I would had kidney disease, I was yeah. like, hopefully they just got this mixed up. And this is like some 80 year old old man that already knows he's really sick because this doesn't make sense because I'm 31. Yeah. Like what are we doing right now? So all of that was just in there. Right. And so finally, you know, there was this point where I, when I finally got the report about the kidneys and I was thinking, okay, God, I had a, I had a fit. I'm going to be very honest, Shelby. I had a 30 something year old temper tantrum. 
because I was like, I eat right and I've had diabetes and God, they said I can't have children. And what else do you want from me? I had, I literally had that moment. And then I think at some point I just had to like get up and keep it going. Right. And so when I got the blood I have report to stop you for just a second, because mm-hmm. like, let's talk about that moment for a minute. Cause that's I yeah. mean, when you're saying you're going to be honest. I mean, it is honestly such a challenging place to be. It is. And it's mm-hmm. a place where I think that a lot of people, we resist it so much. We don't want to be in that place. We don't want to no. be throwing the temper tantrum, but right. I really think that there's not really a way to get back up sometimes mm-hmm. until you do have the pity party. Like you do yes. all of it out. Like, right, right, right. That a little bit. Right. I definitely can. Because like I said, um, I had that moment, like with the diabetes, that was, that was just a part of my life. You know, I had to make sure that I had um, all of my candies and all of the things that I needed and just in case. Right. Yeah. And to be honest with you, there were people at my job that didn't know that I even had diabetes because I didn't want that to appear to be a flaw because everything about Mary had to be perfect, right? That was just how I lived my life. And so there were people who didn't know that I had it. And then I got to that point of vulnerability where when I did get that report about kidneys, it was like, okay, one more thing, like I'm, I'm done. You know, I've done a good, I feel like I've done a good job. I'm using air quotes of trying to hide when I didn't feel good, I would go to my office or I would try to play it off. And I remember having maybe two or three good friends who said, you're not doing a good job of hiding it anymore. Like they can look and tell that I wasn't feeling my best. And so that was a point of, okay, I have to let it go. Right. And now when I had first started letting it go and letting people know and letting people help me, then I get this report about the kidneys. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not ready for this. I don't want to have dialysis. I was stuck on the dialysis moment. And then um, the next report that I got, I think that was the point, like you just said, where I got it, got it together. So when I got the report about the MGUS, that was when I said, okay, God, I was, I still remember where I was. I was on 610 in Houston, driving from uh, Texas Oncology. And I said, okay, God, here I am in my car, same location in my car. And I said, I can't do anything about this. And I want this to be an act of God. And I think that was the moment of turning around. Like I've had my pity party and trust me, there were others <laughs> that came after that. Yes. But I think when I got that report and I settled in my spirit and I was like, okay, like I can't do anything about this. But God, I need you to let this be an act of God. And I think for me, that was the point of, okay, let me, I teach about faith. I teach kids about faith. I talk about faith in God, but here I am breaking down and losing my faith because I I can't, I don't have any control over this. So you do get to that point of weakness, but I think the thing about the point of weakness is you don't want to stay there. Going back to your previous podcast about being resilient, you don't want to stay there because that can impair your health just as much as not eating right. Yeah, isn't it so funny? Your health. Yes, yes, yes. So that's that's pretty much the gist of the pre-transplant phase. Um, when I had the transplant, it kind of hit hit like all of a sudden. I wasn't. I really wasn't ready. We had talked about it and. I had gone through all of the stages of getting ready, had gone through the pre-transplant phase, and I was um, 
up for a double transplant. So not only do I have the kidney transplant, I was able to get a, a pancreas transplant. And so that hit on April 1st, 2019. And I can proudly say that I am healed. So I do not have diabetes anymore. And I don't have chronic kidney disease. And the MGUS is gone. Oh, that's incredible. Yes. Absolutely incredible. Yes. To God be all the glory. That, (laughs) That was just an amazing experience because it was so fast. I think that point of surrender that I had, I had a point of surrender. And like I said, it, it came in stages like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do what I need to do. Starting to get in, um, taking better control of what I was eating and resting and always being on top of my medications. But that point of, okay, God, um, I remember having a conversation with God and I said, I, if you choose to heal me through a transplant, or if you choose to allow me to live with this, I have 31 years of proof from me that you've kept me. So I think that was the moment when I said, okay, because the doctors were saying you, you might not be able to get a a pancreas transplant or either, either, or, Mm -hmm. so you have to be ready to make that decision. So when we went in, my best friend went with me to the, you know, the overview and I was like, okay, I just want to hear what they're going to tell me because I, I don't know what to do. God, like, I don't know what to do. I want both of them, but I don't know what to do. And the decision had been made because when we walked in and they were going through the whole preliminary um, the, 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 the discussion, the doctors were like, so who's in here for the double transplant? And my best friend and I looked at each other and it was like, I think that's me. <laughs> So it was that point of surrender when I was like, I don't want to have to choose because if I choose, then I'm going to choose based on what I want because I'm not big enough to see what's around the corner. Right. And that's when I had to have that moment of I'm just going to stop trying to make all the decisions and stop being trying to be in control of this because I'm not smart enough to make this decision. God, I need you to make this decision for me. And he did. He did. Yeah, I often think about this analogy of the river and sometimes as we're flowing down the river, we like are trying to make the decisions and we try to paddle upstream and it's really hard. And then when we kind of relax into that surrender into the flow of the river, it's like, not like stuff gets easier, but it does. Like, it's like, even though it's hard, like this is where I'm meant to go. Yes. And And I also have noticed too, like, just going down the river doesn't, like I said, doesn't make it easy. There's, there's still rocks in the river. There's trees oh, yes. that are falling in. Like all of a sudden right. you feel like you're slowing down, but it doesn't mean you're going the wrong direction. Just right. Might, you might, it means you might be redirected around that obstacle, but you're still yes. trusting and surrendering into it. Yes, absolutely. Going. Absolutely. So it's been a great journey. Um, and I say great because I'm not going to complain. Like you said, there were times that I didn't feel my best. Yeah, especially after the transplant, I had to be hospitalized twice, you know, because I had fevers. Yes, I had those god awful fevers and blood cells were out of control at some point. And then, you know, just the different changes in our bodies being transplant warriors, you know, that, you know, our bodies had to readjust to two organs that we weren't born with. And so even in that process, it was like, okay, Lord, um, 
did you really, this doesn't feel good. You know, when you get to those moments of, well, it's, it's too late now, like they're here. So (laughs) I know, I know. I I had a moment too, where I was like, do I say yes? Like when they called me and as I was, as I was doing it, I was just like, is this what it was supposed to be? Is this how it felt like it was supposed to be? But okay, it's too late now. Like this is is it. We're dealing with this now. And ultimately it's been the right decision, obviously. Yes. But in the moment, yes. even you, you still have some questions. Sometimes you're like, mm. <laughs> right. What is going on? What is going on? But I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. I, you know, like I said, I can look back and I can, you know, say like, I celebrated three years on April 1st. And so I still look back and I'm like, Lord, you know, you brought me from so many almost dying situations. So many times when I uh, well, not so many times, but several times when I passed out mm-hmm. because my sugar dropped and I could hardly tell you what my name was, you know, situations where um, I had to be very mindful of expenses because you I had three chronic health situations. Yes. You know, and being an educator, people don't go into education because of the money. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah. So even things like, you know, that and, you know, being so grateful for my parents who taught me, you know, how to have faith and, you know, still promoted healthy lifestyle. And for my siblings who, you know, were like, okay, Mary, what do you need? You know, my friends who wouldn't take, I'm okay. And deflecting, they wouldn't take that. Like, okay, what's really going on? I can look into your eyes until your sugar is low. You know, like, can I drive you to the doctor? Those are the kinds of things that I'm looking back over my life and I'm thinking, I'm grateful for even those moments. Now, I wasn't probably as grateful then, but now when I look back and I'm like, that was 32 years of God's grace in my life, you know, God's grace keeping me from having an accident or not waking up because I went into a coma, all of those things, you know, so Really, the resilience is a is a very very important thing. Having faith, having hope. Don't let go of your faith. You know, those are things that can sound cliche, but when you're in it and you recognize that people might be watching you because you profess your Christianity, those are the things that you have to like. Not I, but God. Yeah, those are the things that we have to hold on to. And it's so fascinating too because in the last episode of the podcast, I was talking about Brene Brown's. A book, The Gift of Imperfection. Yes. And she kept having these stories that she was compiling for the research. And mm-hmm. what she had found out about the people with resiliency, like I talked about in the last podcast, is that they yes. were grounded in spirituality. Yes. And yes. it didn't necessarily mean like a certain religion, but just this belief that we're all connected mm-hmm. and this grounded in a loving God that is grounded, that, that is grounded in um, compassion and love. Yes. I was just so fascinated by that because I, the more that I speak to people about their experiences, especially with chronic illnesses, near death Mm -hmm. experiences with, with our illnesses, Mm -hmm. there is this connectedness of feeling this spirituality of feeling connected to something bigger than us. Yes, absolutely. I think you're just such a beautiful living example of that, of seeing that spirituality and, and having that groundedness throughout your yes. journey. So beautiful. Yes, 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 yes. It's a, it's a journey, like you said. And, um, you know, we connected on Facebook because I had gone 
I decided <laughs> that I wanted to do a 5K. So the funny part about it is when I was a diabetic, I love saying when I was, right? When I was a diabetic um, for my church, I was the team, the team captain for the American Diabetes Association's walk. And so we had, the team was called um, Walking for, you know, Faith for Cure Walkers. And so we did that for maybe three years. And so... Now here comes Southwest Transplant Alliance. I'm in Texas. I live in Houston, Texas. And so all things Texas right now, right? And so um, I don't know how I connected with them, Mm -hmm. but I got an email about Southwest Transplant Alliance. It's probably on Facebook or Instagram. Maybe that's how it was. Uh And um, they were having a 5K last year in 2020. Mm -hmm. And so the organization is based out of um, Dallas, Texas. And of course, all things COVID last year, everything was virtual or remote. And so I said, well, I think I want to do this, but I'm not going to run it. I'm just going to walk it because we always walk with the diabetes walk. And so the funny part about it was I placed first. No, I got fastest time for a recipient. And I'm thinking, I didn't even train for this. I I just wanted to do it. Right. So I said, well. If I got fastest time for a transplant recipient and I didn't train, I wonder what would happen if I actually trained for it. So I started training for it in uh, maybe late February, March, right? And I got a trainer. I'm not a runner. Everyone who knows me knows that Mary does not run, right? She wears heels all the time. She is not a runner. I'll work out, but that's about it. So, so this year I was like, well, I have to defend my title. I have to make my time faster. So I decided this year on my name tag, I still, I, I ran it and I got a trainer. But the thing that helped me to persevere through it was the fact that I decided to, on the back of my name tag, to list the names <laughs> To list the names of people. I'm sorry, Shelby. We want to to make me cry too. (laughs) But I decided to list the names of people, friends, family members who were donors or recipients. And I did a an interesting thing. I named my organs after my parents. So my kidney is named Raymond after my dad, who I lost in the process of recovering from the transplant. And my mom, um, I had lo- I lost her. We lost her in 2005. Well, she's my pancreas. So I listed them because I have not been able to meet the parents or the the, um, the family of my donor yet, right? And so um, I named my, my organs after my parents. And so I listed the names of the individuals who I have been connected with. Like you talked about, there's a connection there, right? And I ran it this time. I mean, I did a lot of walking, but I still ran it. <laughs> so I was just so excited. And so went in the group, the kidney, um, the kidney group that we're a part of in, in, on Facebook. And I, you know, I talked about, you know, hey, this was my first time. And so that's how you and I connected. Yes. And like, I would like to talk to you. So that in and of itself has charged me up. Like, you know, I think some of the things that I've learned through this process is number one, listen for God's voice. Yeah, you have to just in the big picture, listen for his voice. Like um, you have to listen for his voice like your life depended upon it. (laughs) Yep. Because I wonder if I had said "Mm, that's not God or if I had decided to do something a different way, 
it would have been a whole different situation, right? And I don't want to burden the Holy Spirit by turning a deaf ear to what he's trying to urge me to do. And I'm also learning how to um, just honor life and not be as afraid as I, as I was. Um, I enjoy. I I had heard this, um, this quote this week that was like life living. Life is for living. Yes. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. yes. And that that's how, because I think about my donor and the fact that he, this young man decided to gift others through the gift of organ donation. And that's something that doesn't get talked about a lot. And I think, of course, being a part of the 5K was an opportunity to to make awareness of it. Um, even last year, this was another thing. Last year, my church did a day of service. And so because it was COVID and it was our church's, church's anniversary. And so we did things on the parking lot of the church, right? And to my surprise, there was a young a person who was there asking for people to sign up for the organ donation. And I was like, this is amazing. So I went and I took a picture with them and I posted it on my Facebook and my Instagram. And one of my friends decided to become a donor. Isn't that amazing? Just through that experience. And so I think it's an awesome thing when you have people who have gone through the process that we've gone through Mm -hmm. and something like organ donation can live because someone makes the decision to, to make that donation. So I'm still learning. I'm still learning how to find some balance. I still don't know how to sit down. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I want to go back really, really quick to something that you said about having those names on the back. Was it on a bib or was it on a shirt? What was it on? It was on the, on our bib. So they sent you the name tag with the sponsors. And I had one side that had donors and I had one side that had recipients. And so I just, I'm so struck by that because that, that was one of the things that really attracted me to you. Like on that Facebook group is just this woman that's out there. That's making something really cool out of, you know, a lot of people would consider this, our situation, your situation, a very difficult thing to have gone through. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you're like, no, I'm going to be out there and running for the people that can't. Yes. And being that example of what's possible. What's possible. It, it's so amazing. And I, you know, I think about my donor too. I, we, we connected like right after I had finished my, I, I ran a triathlon a few weeks ago and we, yeah. <laughs> we connected yeah. right after that. And mm-hmm. as I was running too, I kept thinking I'm doing this because he can't, the, my yes. he's not here, but right. he, part of him is still here. And yes. so it's just this beautiful connection I feel like and it's that and also I'm like we think about it, it's the spirituality too like yeah. we're connected to these people mm-hmm. because of their altruism because of you know they they went through this great tragedy and so yeah. I'm choosing to live a really full and amazing life yes be part of that too because they can't but I can and I, that's it's something to choose to go and run and to get a trainer and to go do a fight. Yes. That's a choice. And most people don't do it that. Is. It is. It is. It's such a choice. And like I said, I am not a runner. I will walk all day long. And now the funny part of it is I look forward to getting on my treadmill and running just because, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. So you're right. I think that that was a part. And then the, the beautiful part of it is 
that I had some friends who joined me on the on the track just to kind of support me. And one of them was is a donor. Mm-hmm. She donated to her brother who had lupus, who who was suffering from lupus. And so to see her and now she's like, we need to get out here. She was, she texted her brother and she was like, uh, cause I listed his name and I listed her name. We're, we're coworkers. And so she said, we're doing this next year. We're, we're going to be out here with you. And so even in that, you know, that, that in and of itself is another opportunity to, to witness, to be alive, you know, to, to help people to understand, like you said, life is for the living and um, is for living and just to, Find find a way to for me is to find a way to give God glory, mm-hmm. and even on the high points of that journey and um, on that the trail, when it got tough, like there was a moment when I was like, God, you have to help me. I can't run like this. Yes, but yes. Um, I also did that. <laughs> yes, yes, like this is too much. You have to help me finish. But there was also that moment when I started thinking about my nineteen-year-old. Who would be 21 if, you know, if I did the math right, he would be 21, 22. And I'm thinking, okay, God, you know, I'm running for him. I'm running for Erica. I'm running for initial and I'm running for the people whose names are on my back. So you have to help me finish this because I can't do it. Like I'm not even supposed to be out here. It's hot. (laughs) Right. But it was truly a beautiful experience for me because, I, again, you know, that, that connection. I haven't met his family, but in that moment, I kept thinking, he can't, he's not here. So I have to finish this. I could have gone down that hill and I was like, it's only three miles, but it was three miles for me. And then the other connection that I had was three, three years ago when I had diabetes, I could have done it, but there would have been so many other factors that I would have had to contend with. Like, is my sugar going to drop? And, you know, I have to check my sugar. And what if I get out here and I fall out because that's happened before? Or what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, right? Right. And now I didn't have to suspend my pump. Now I didn't have to do the things and, you know, that I would have had to do prior to having received a new pancreas because my pancreas works now you know that's incredible so that part is the part that I kept thinking of okay so Lord I can't be foolish in this because there was a time when I had so many other things that I could have had to deal with Mm -hmm. but running was never something that I wanted to do because I could have fallen out because my children could have gotten low that's the excuse right right Yes, but it's been beautiful. It's been so beautiful. Oh, that's amazing, Mary. Okay, just before we go, I want to ask you one last question. And that is, what do you think you would share with someone? Pretend that they are where you were maybe four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. From what you've learned, what would you share with them if they're like worried about their health, worried about their future? what, what, What piece of advice would you give to them? Definitely number one, don't give up your faith. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have to hold on to your faith. And that sounds very cliche, but again, like my experience was, I teach this. I talk to people about my faith, right? Mm -hmm. So I would always encourage someone who is having health issues to number one, 
don't give up your faith. We have to start there. Um, I would also encourage them to be very mindful of your environment. You can support your health by making changes to the way that you eat, the way that you choose to live your life. Um, I've always been, I would like to say that I've always been pretty much a, a healthy eater. Yeah. And I think when I drove, I really, really dove deeper into making sure that like I gave up meat mm-hmm. again because I was pushing me. I need you to give up meat. And I'm thinking, why would I give up meat? But I see the, the, the response on the other side of that, right? And so now that I am living a vegan lifestyle, I think that that's helping me to feel better. And so I'm not telling anybody out there, hey, give up. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not either. Do what you you feel led to do. Exactly. Do what you feel led to do. But I'm just saying for me, I think being conscious of what I did eat in my journey and making sure that I was very cognizant of my medication and exercising, I think that that made a big difference for me. And um, I would also encourage them to just continue to mm, live your life. Yes. Live it, live it, live it as if you are already healed. Ooh, that's powerful. Yeah. Live it as if you're already, as if you're already lived to the best extent possible. I know that there are some things that we have to be mindful of, right? But live it as if you are already healed. Like the Bible tells us, speak those things that are not as though they, they already, they've already happened. And so if you're declaring that you are healed, then live it, live your life as if you're already healed. And that will help you to stay grounded in God. Like, it will, it will help you to expect, to be ready to expect. Oh, that's so beautiful. I just, I, it's, I love everything that you've shared today. It's been such mm-hmm. an honor to have you on the podcast. I'm sure we'll have you back because we have many more conversations to have. Yes, I'm but so excited. I, I will say that there is something to be said about the pieces of advice that you give Mm-hmm. with the angle that you come from. You're not somebody mm-hmm. that's just like saying these platitudes that it's just like, oh, just like, you know, think that everything's going to be okay and it'll be okay. I'm like, right. no, you've been through it. You've been through the brink and these are the things that helped you to heal from that. Yes. You got to yes, really consider the source. You've been through it. So it's really absolutely. incredible to hear that. Yes. All right. Thanks so much, Mary. Thank you. Thank you. You guys have a great day and just continue to just live your life as if you're already healed. Love it. All right. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you're looking for a life coach to work with, what are you waiting for? Let's get coaching together today. I hope you have a wonderful week as you take your power back on creating beauty wherever you go.